This is The Grid, presented by Victoria College. Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. Hello and welcome to episode 34 of The Grid. My name is Jeremiah Sosa, the assistant sports editor at the Victoria Advocate. I'm here joined by Mike Foreman, our sports editor, and Gabe Myers, our sports reporter. We have a lot to get into in today's episode of the podcast, but before we do, we want to hear from you. You can reach out to us on Facebook on our Victoria Advocate Facebook page. You can also find us on our Advo Sports Facebook page. You can also find us on Twitter at Advo Sports. And you could email any comments or questions to sports at vicad.com. All right, guys, it's that time of the year. It's baseball playoff season. Gabe, Vic, you covered Victoria East, and they fell to Corpus Christi Carroll in a best of three district playoff series. Um, they lost game three, two to zero. Gabe, you covered game two and game three. How did that series shake, shake out, and you know how were the Tigers able to, to eliminate the Titans from you know, from advancing to the playoffs. Man, what a whirlwind. Uh, what a whirlwind two days, Friday and Saturday, were. Uh, they, f- they fell 9-1 to one in game one, and they came – game two, it was a pitching duel. Uh, Ga- Gage Goldman for Victoria East, who you mentioned last week on the podcast, he was spectacular in game two. Had a rough first inning, bases loaded, one out, got out of it with double play, allowed just a run. But for most of the game, that run was going to hold. Victoria East could not bring any runners across. Then down 2-0 going into the ninth. Again, down 2-0. Had scored one run across 13 innings against Corpus Christi Carroll. They scored three in the bottom of the seventh. They scored, they scored three in the bottom of the seventh. Walk it off. Mason Sockwell, single up the middle to bring it home. 3-2. We're going back to Corpus Christi. We're going to Cabinus. Mike calls me Friday night. Hey, let's go cover that game down in Corpus Christi. Like, let's do it. Let's go cover the game down in Corpus Christi. And that game followed kind of the same script. They fell behind one nothing early. And jo- Joey Lee had it working for uh, for Victoria East in that game. You kind of thought, okay, they're getting runners in scoring position, not bringing them home. It's the same script as yesterday. They just get that one hit. There was one in the bottom of the fifth inning. Runners on second and third. It's a 1-0 game at this point. Ball gets hit back up the middle. It hits the mound in a funny way, and it takes all the sting off of the ball and directs it right to the second baseman, easy out. And that was about as good of a chance as the Titans had in that one. Carroll ends up closing it out in the seventh, two nothing win, and the Titans are sent home. And uh, I mean, a disappointing way to end the season, especially after the way Friday happened. You're thinking, okay, they got the momentum, karma, or whatever forces are out there are on their side, but just wasn't quite enough. Yeah, and you know, kind of covering them this season. To begin the season, they started off really hot. Obviously, it was um, you know in that tournament season where they had a couple couple wins, but uh, you know, kind of disappointing for you know Coach West Coley and you know the Titans to uh, you know not make the playoffs. Uh, you know, once again, that was a district playoff series. That wasn't an actual playoff series. Um, but we have plenty of teams that are in the in the playoffs. A few notable series uh, that start this week are Calhoun versus Floresville. Number one, Shiner. They're they're going to start off their playoff, uh, you know, play, playoff season against Charlotte. We got Hallisville versus Nixon Smiley, and El Campo versus Brazosport, just to name a few. Mike, when you kind of look at the, the the baseball playoffs, what's a what's a series that stands out to you? And you know, what's um, 
you know, what what is that team going to have to do to, you know, try to move on to the next round? Well, I think, uh, first of all, uh, you know, Shiner's the team that we're going to watch. Uh, obviously, number one team in the state has made two consecutive uh, state tournament appearances. Uh, then, um, you know, really uh, other teams have been kind of up and down. We'll see how El Campo does against Brazosport. That's a team, I believe, with a lot of potential. Uh, it just hasn't been consistent this year. Uh, El Campo has had some really good games and then some games when it doesn't play well. So uh, a lot of teams made it in the first round. I think uh, we'll see as uh, teams go. Uh, I think uh, we'll get a better idea as they go beyond this first round. And we have plenty of games, like we mentioned, um, for, for all the coverage that, that we're going to bring to you guys from the baseball players. You can find us find it on advosports.com. All right, moving into college baseball. UHV, they're going to be entering the Red River Athletic Conference Tournament this weekend. Mike, I know it was kind of a – there was a scare this in their, in their past game. I know you you went down to, you know, talk to their, their head coach and a few players. How did that kind of uh, maybe shake them up going into this, uh, you know, conference tournament? Well, yeah, I think obviously I think uh, this has kind of been a national story now. Uh, if you haven't heard by now, which most of you probably have, uh, they're playing the game against uh, Texas, Texas A&M, Texarkana, in Texarkana. When in that game, all of a sudden, uh, they, there was a shot. There were shots fired, and a bullet, which turned out to be a stray bullet, comes into the bullpen and hits a Texas A&M, Texarkana player who was actually a redshirt player. He wasn't actually playing, and it hit him in the chest. And so uh, that was a very scary situation. I know um, Coach Jonathan Stavanoa for the, uh, for the Jaguars said that he ran out to the bullpen and was out there. A number of other people came out there and rendered aid the ambulance came and picked him up and took took him to the hospital. Well, obviously, when something like that happens, you're not just going to say, oh, come on, we're just going to continue the game. They called the game right then and there, called it a no contest, and uh, that was it. Um, when I went out to practice on Monday and spoke with uh, Ty Williams, uh, and Coach Stavanoa, they both kind of said, you know, the, the reality of what happened uh, kind of hit them after they got home. Um, in the moment, you know, you're kind of just like, you know, you just react. But I think they understood what happened as they got home and as they took the field Monday. I'm sure it was a kind of a different kind of feeling out there, realizing that, hey, this is something we love doing and uh, it can end any minute. So uh, they go in this tournament, I'm sure, with a sense of purpose. Uh, they're actually the sixth seed in this tournament. But uh, they went in last year, they weren't a high seed, and they made it to the championship game. And here's the deal with that. Uh, LSU Shreveport is the conference champion. So if LSU Shreveport wins the tournament, Whoever makes the championship game will also get a bid to the national tournament. 
So now if LSU Shreveport doesn't make the championship, then it's going to get the second bid, and whoever wins the tournament will get the bid. But uh, it's going to come down to what always comes down to, pitching. Um, in double elimination tournaments, you've got to have pitching because uh, guys are going to go out there, you know, and, and uh, I think a lot of times what happens is uh, – you get to that third or fourth game and a lot of runs are scored, so you need to use a lot of arms. And so uh, that I think that's going to determine how, uh, you know, UHE fares in this tournament. I've always wondered in these double elimination tournaments, what what's the strategy? Do you go with your ace in game one and just get that first win and not be behind the eight ball right away? Do you try to go with a secondary guy to, you know, maybe save your ace for a matchup with a one or a two seed? Do you have any idea what Stavanoa's strategy might be with that? Yeah, he, he he's going with uh, Mason Longoria, his which has been his game one starter all season. He's not going to mess around. You you definitely want to get in the winner's bracket. You do not want to get in the loser's bracket. So uh, And really, he's he's got three decent pitchers if they throw like they're capable of. So uh, he he's not uh, – I suppose if it was a one and an eight, you know, you might take that chance. But uh, in their situation, um, I think he's got to go uh, with his top pitcher to try and get, get them in the uh, – winner's bracket and moving on to UHV softball they're also entering the Red River Athletic Conference tournament this weekend Gabe you went out to to one of their practices this week what was kind of the sense that you got from you know head coach Lindsay Ortiz and the rest of the Jacks as they're you know preparing for this uh, big tournament the sense I got was one of quiet confidence um they're not they're the five seeds are kind of right there in the middle they like where they're at though I mean they play they've won 10 to 12 um, they played right before that 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 run. They played Our Lady of the Lake Conference regular season champs, number two team in the country right now, undefeated in conference play. They lost to them by two. They lost to them by one. So they know they. Can, I mean, Our Lady of the Lake. That's a team that whether you're the five seed like there, the two seed or the eight seed, that's who everyone's looking up at in this conference is Our Lady of the Lake. So they're, they're confident in their ability to play with them, but they're confident that they're playing their best ball right now. Coach, you know, Coach Lindsay Ortiz. She had said. Uh, you know, our goal is just to be playing our best softball in May, and they think they're doing that right now. Talk to Cameron Cowan, who's, you know, rewriting the UHV pitching record books over there, and she said, I don't think we've played our best yet. And I asked her, what is, what is your best look like? She says, well, it looks unstoppable is what it is. So there's a confidence about them. They think they're going to go into a, they think they're going to go into San Antonio, and they think they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with in this tournament. Mm. And, you know, I've definitely seen that from Cowan. I, I believe one of the games I covered earlier this season, she threw a no-hitter. Um, you know, her along with, uh, you know, Claire Blink on the on the mound, I mean, uh, you know, in the batter's box. Now, this is a team that can, you know, put up runs and, and you, it can, you know, possibly, uh, you know, post shutouts like Cowan and the rest of the pitchers are doing. So, you know, just looking at this uh, this UHV team, it's a, it's a good it would be a good uh, way for them to start off the tournament with a win against uh, LSU Alexander. Yeah, and you mentioned also in the batter's backs, Lauren Kaka, um, conference player of the week this week, uh, hit I think it was 455. So they're on, like, it's not just one or two players. They feel like they have the whole team kind of going right now. There's a team filled with, you know, local players. We were talking about this week, girl from Shiner, girl from Yoakum, girl from Victoria. You know, they have girls, I think it's uh, five or six girls within a 60-mile uh, who grew who went to high school within 60 miles of Victoria 
So it's uh they play they've played together a long time or they've known each other for a long time. There's a there's a camaraderie with this group. They think they they really like where they are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, like we said earlier, that will be kicking off uh, in San Antonio. So if you would like to support the 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 UHV Jaguars, you can go see them there. All right, we're gonna take a quick commercial break and hear this advertisement from White Trash Services. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And, you know, y'all are, y'all are big advocates for, for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361-550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. All right, welcome back. Uh, we've talked about baseball playoffs. Now it's time to get into some softball playoffs. St. Joseph, they started off their softball playoff season with a, a big win over Houston Second Baptist. They beat them 17-2. to All right, Gabe, you were there covering St. Joseph today. How did that matchup kind of play out? Well, it played out. Uh, St. Joseph fell behind 1-0, and then they weren't behind after that. Um, no, I, nine runs in the first inning. Uh, Abby Cantu, who also pitched on the mound, she came up with the bases loaded in a 1-1 game, hits one in, in, in the left field, clears the bases, it's 4-1, and the Flyers were often, you know, I'm going to say often running, but often flying, I guess. Um, no, I mean, this, it was never close. And I even kind of asked the coaches, I asked the athletic director, I said, did you, did you expect this? Because this is a little unexpected on my part. I said, did y'all expect this? And they were like, well, well, well. And they're like, no, we did not expect it. We did not quite expect this. I mean, 17-2, shocking. Ended after four innings. Um, again, it was 10-2 going into the going into the bottom of the fourth. So, okay, two runs here. You give your chance, you know, you're, you give yourself a shot at a run rule in the fifth inning. You can hold a scoreless. Well, they – said the heck with that we're gonna go put up seven ended at 15 in the fourth inning i mean they were everything that came off the bat was a line drive everything was hit hard everything was hit well i mean just a almost flawless performance by saint joseph and they're another team who thinks hey maybe we can go and win the whole thing right now shoot if they score 17 runs in four innings they can go win the whole thing um but they i mean it was Every hitter, top to bottom in a lineup, I think like seven of the hitters had an RBI. I think all, all nine had a hit. I mean, just a complete offensive performance. And another team that had a, a complete offensive performance was Cuero in their by-district playoff game against Bandera. They beat them 15-5 to five in five innings. Uh, I believe it's the first time Cuero's going to be moving on to the arrow round since 2019. And that game, similar to, to the St. Joseph game, it was just – 
it was just a bunch of hits like all all over the all, basically in every inning landed with four home runs camden lang langy she had two home runs both of them were were you know three run homers she now has the Quarrel single season home run record with 22 home runs um and also in that in that game bromley watson she had a grand slam so it was just a you know a big night for Quero to you know get that win. Also, um, you know had another home run from uh, you know another player to to basically start off the game on the first at bat of you know of, of the first inning. So big big win from them, and they're going to be moving on to playing El Campo in the uh, in the arrow round, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But another game that Gabe covered earlier was Hallettsville. They swept San Antonio Cole. The first game was ten to zero. The second game was sixteen zero. Gabe, obviously, a big, big way to start off their, you know, th- this playoff season to try to defend their state title. What was the kind of the sense that you got from from them after you know after that sweep? I mean, the sense I got was one of we're the champs until we're not. Um, th- that would be the simplest way to put it. They think they're going to be back in Austin and lifting the state championship trophy once again. They fully intend to do that. Now they know they're not overlooking anybody. They're not, you know, thinking they're already going to be the champions. But that's the goal, and it's one you see sometimes with really good teams. They they won't even acknowledge like the championship goal to you know the media. They'll just be like, "Well, we're just focused on the next game." We're, but they talk about it. They say, "No, that's what we want to do." We're here to be the state champions, and they did, you know, what they should do to San Antonio Cole and sweep them and run rule them in both games. No, uh, Grace Halata, freshman, comes in game two, no hitter. Um, it was a combined, it was a combined no hitter actually, but you know she pitched four of the five innings in a no hitter, and Hallettsville's just rolling. They don't have a ton. There's not a ton of power in the lineup. There's that you're not going to hit a lot of home runs. But they get on base, they steal bases, they move runners over, they hit balls over the infield, they get them into the gaps. I mean, it's kind of a relentless pressure they put on the opposing pitching staff of, we're just going to keep coming after you until you can do something about it. Mm-hmm. And then Mike, you know, looking forward to the the area round, which is going to be played uh, this weekend. We got, you know, a few notable matchups. Uh, Quero versus El Campo, which I mentioned earlier, that one's going to be played in Columbus uh, as a best of three. We got Shiner versus Rivera in Beeville. That's going to be a one gamer. Refugio versus Schulenberg in Quero, best of three, and then Ganado versus Three Rivers, best of three. Just to mention a few, you know, when you look at the you know the matchups this 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 weekend in the area round, what's one that stands out to you, uh, Mike? Well, obviously, I would say Quero and El Campo, uh, two teams that can hit the ball. Uh, this to me, it's amazing that uh, Camden Lange has. 22 home runs that's quite a feat uh you know i'm i'm just curious if people are actually recruiting her because uh anybody can hit the ball like that you got to take a look at el campo they have some power they have some speed too at the uh, top of their lineup so uh a lot of times in these games i i think it's going to come down to uh what it always does pitching and defense uh whoever makes the fewest errors and mistakes because if you have teams that can hit the ball and you give them extra outs, you're going to pay for it at this level. Yeah, and in that Quero game against uh, Bandera, uh, you know, the pitching was doing all right, and then I think in the fourth inning, they scored. Uh, Bandera scored 
four times all of them you know walks with bases loaded so that's definitely going to be something they're going to have to try to clean up in this next game against El Campo if they're going to you know want to try to move on all right we're going to take one last break and hear this commercial from Thrivent Financial Thrivent is a proud sponsor of The Grid Thrivent believes money is a tool not a goal Thrivent Financial Advisor Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. All right, welcome back to the podcast. It's time to get into our final segment, which is track and field. We had a, a number of athletes qualify for the, the state meet. Uh, first up in the region for 5A meet at San Antonio, Victoria East Matthew Jackson. He advanced, advanced to the state meet in long jump with a jump of 23 feet and 2 inches. Uh, we also had a, a, in the region for 3A meet in Seguin, Kyla Hill, she advanced to the state meet in five events. Uh, I believe it was triple jump, long, triple jump, long jump, the 300 meter, 300 meter hurdles, the 110 hurdles, and then I believe in uh, you know another um, relay team. So she's going to be you know in the state meet in all five of those events. Yokum's Jana Phillips, she also broke Yokum's long jump record, which she broke earlier in this season it's uh, it's now 38 feet and 6.5 inches and the Hallettsville boys they also performed pretty well they took home two gold medals in relays and then they also had a gold in the uh in the 200 meter dash so good uh you know good for those athletes and at that meet Mike you covered the region for 2a and 4a meet in Kingsville Refrigerio they they had another dominating performance uh behind Ernest Campbell they go back to back um, as region champs, wh- wh- how did that uh, those two meets shake out? Well, a lot of good performances down there. We, we actually had uh, three uh, regional records set in that meet. Ernest set, uh, set two of them. He set it uh, both in the 100 and the 200. The 100 was incredible. Uh, it, there was a good win behind his back, but he, he turned in a time of, I think it was 210 it was 10.254 or something like that. They, officially, it's 10.26, but uh, amazing race by that. Uh, we were joking before he ran it because of the wind. Uh, I was joking he was going to run a 9.9, but he came close. So, and I mean, uh, there was a gap there between them. He he just is is an amazingly fast runner. And then you also had uh, Peyton Oliver from Murfurio set the uh, meet record, and she actually broke her own record that she she's now a senior. She had set the record as a sophomore, and she broke that record. And that was a really good race. And we had another record, actually, in the, uh, in the long jump, uh, of course. Uh, who else but... Uh, but Brooks from Shiner, you know, um, Dalton broke that record. Um, I think he hit it on his third jump, and he didn't even jump anymore. Uh, you know, the, I, I'll tell you with Dalton Brooks, it's you never doubt it. I mean, he just goes out there and does it. And uh, now as far as the team title, uh, Refurio won it. 
course, uh, we talked about they uh, got DQ'd in the uh, 4 by 2 800-meter relay, um, which is the slip-up. But the, the actual thing about that is uh, if they had run the relay without the runner that they got DQ'd for, I don't think they would have been in the top three anyway. So uh, realistically, they're in the same spot they would have been. And um, it's going to be interesting with Timpson and them at the state meet because uh, I ran the numbers just on qual- how they qualified, and uh, Timpson came out with a six-point lead. So, uh, But as everyone knows, things change when you get to Austin. So we'll see. That'll be a good race. Another team you got to look at, Wharton. Um, I kind of feel like they kind of got uh, – well, what happened to them was really bad. Uh, they they were running the mile relay. Uh, they were ready to uh, give the baton to their anchor, Jacoric Allen, who had won the 400, one of the best runners, 400 runners in the state. Uh, and a runner comes runs in front of them before they make the exchange, which put him in fourth place. He he came back and, for fortunately for Wharton, got second. So they qualified for state, but the the problem there is those four points they lost between first and second, they ended up finishing second by three points, and they would have won the meet if uh, they had finished first. But a lot of good performances, and 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 I'll say this: I'm I'm glad to see Matthew Jackson. It's good to see uh, a Victoria athlete make it to the state meet. Um, that doesn't happen that often. And uh, you never know what can happen when you get to Austin. We've had, uh, I've seen this over and over again. Nothing is a sure thing in Austin. You still have to go out there and perform on that day. So uh, a lot of good stuff to to watch, especially with uh, Kyla Hill. I mean, uh, she's amazing. I mean, uh, this is her third straight year to advance to state. And, uh, you know, I know her coach, uh, Stacy Zamzow, um, had considered taking her out of the actual uh, the 100, 100 hurdles, putting her in the relay, but uh, I think he's going to let her run the 100, and uh, it should be uh, pretty interesting up there at State. Mm-hmm. And we also got a few TAP schools that are going to be competing in the state meet. We got St. Joseph, which has two high jumpers uh, as girls who are going to be competing. We also have two pole vaulters as boys who are brothers, and we also got a g- girl running the 100-meter dash. We also got Faith Academy, Sacred Heart, and St. Paul who are also going to be sending athletes to, to the state meet. So, um, so you know, good good for those programs to be able to, you know, represent their schools on that level. All right, that's going to be – that's going to do it for this episode of The Grid from me, Mike, and Gabe. We appreciate you guys for listening, and you could catch us here again next week.